My name is Davis Smith. I'm the CEO of Cotopaxi and an MBA graduate of the Wharton School. The Latter-day Saint MBA Society was founded by a group of MBA students and alumni who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, with the hope of bringing together a community of business people striving to bless the world. In this podcast, you'll hear interviews with Latter-day Saint thought leaders that we hope will inspire you both in your professional and spiritual life. For more information about the Latter-day Saint MBA Society, visit latterdaysaintmba.com. And now I'll pass it over to Kurt Frankum, who will host this week's interview. In this episode of the Latter-day Saint MBA podcast, podcast, we are talking with Matt Deku. How are you, Matt? I'm doing great. How are you, Kurt? Good. Now, you are actually more involved than maybe the typical podcast guest in the Latter-day Saint MBA Society. Um, what, how, do you, how do you explain your involvement in the society? Yeah. So, I mean, I've been um, definitely like an attendee of the LDS MBA conference for uh, several years. Um, and we, we actually have the opportunity to host it this year at Stanford. So the main conference day is Saturday, April 15th, with a pre-conference event on Friday, April 14th, for those who are able to fly in early. It'll, of course, be out here near Stanford. So look out for more details soon on LinkedIn and the Latter-day Saint MBA Society's website. Is there any like general promo items as far as uh, what would draw people to at least consider that or or look forward to the the details coming out? Like why why should someone attend one of the the Latter Day Saint MBA Society conferences? That's actually uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to be on the organizing committee for the LDS MBA conference is back in 2018, I actually attended the LDS MBA conference at Stanford myself and. Uh, it was a very special conference, very uh, inspiring. And um, there was, you know, many, many different speakers, many different perspectives that were shared. Um, a lot of like focus on faith and family and leadership. And, uh, and I think the big part of it for me was getting to experience that and having that exposure to, you know, business school, but at the same time being able to, um, then when I was a prospective applicant, then be able to talk about that experience, um, coming to the conference and talk about some of the speakers and the things that I learned in my actual application to Stanford, uh, was very helpful. So I think, I think it's, it's beneficial from, just like a knowledge perspective, it's great from a networking perspective, and it's a great way to test the waters and potentially add, you know, a few lines to your application essays in the future. Yeah, that's great. And you know, just looking back at past conferences, I mean, they you don't have uh, lightweights come and speak. I mean, you get some phenomenal speakers that that participate. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, you you get top of the house leaders in you know religious leaders, of course, from the church, um, and also sometimes non denominationally non-denominationally um <laughs> and uh you you also get like government leaders um yeah people uh in technology business all different industries yeah very cool well we'll look forward to uh, participating as as uh, as we can so so you're currently what, what's your current status you're a student in the uh at stanford right now uh, striving towards your mba that 
Yes. Striving is a great word. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I am in my second year. So it's sort of, uh, I guess the final countdown for me I have two more quarters graduate, uh, in June. Awesome. Wow. I bet, uh, that you, there's maybe light at the end of the tunnel at this point, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, there there is, and and luckily, like uh, I'm I'm very excited about several of the classes that I have stacked up between now and then, and so only only good things, uh, yeah. all downhill from here. Oh, that's great. Well, let's uh, jump back to the beginning of your story. Uh, where where were you born and raised, and sort of your general upbringing, both uh, just you know with your your family, but also with the church and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up. In the suburbs of Salt Lake, I grew up in Sandy. My family experience was very important to me, and is is part of both like my my faith and, and my story and my like why I'm I'm doing an MBA even. And so I think it's important to just kind of like give you some more background on on on, on that specifically. So uh, I I grew up in the church. Uh, I was I was um, in an active member family. Um, my, my family, um, was a hardworking family. We were a blue collar family. I actually come from generations of blue collar workers. Um, I'm a first generation college student, eventually attended BYU. Um, and that really shaped my, uh, worldview and my experience, um, from more of a spiritual perspective, um, like I said, I, I, I grew up going to church. Um, I think the first time when my, my faith was, was really tested was, uh, actually pretty early. Um, when I was 14 years old, um, my mom actually passed away unexpectedly oh, wow. and my, my family was, was shell shocked and we, um, had to, you know, kind of hit reset on life and perspective and priorities and finances, everything, and, and really turn around and figure out how to, to, to go forward. And so our community, both like our LDS community, but also just the broader community that we lived in really uh, rallied around my family. And in a way that I, Kurt, I will, I will never forget. Like, mm. Um, I can, I can give you a couple of examples. Like we, we had, um, a member of our ward that, um, she showed up as is customary with, with food, um, after my mom had passed away and then she came back the next week and we're like, wow, like, thank you. Like, that's, this is amazing, but you, you can't keep doing this. Like, thank you. Um, and then, uh, she continued to show up for two more years. Wow. Uh, and really showed me the, um, true Christ-like service. And, and she wasn't alone. We had other members of our communities that, uh, of our community that like gave us haircuts. There were, uh, I had like a middle school counselor that, um, knew that like the dynamic in our family had changed. And so like, I was often like when I'd go home, like my dad would still be at work. So I was like, I would arrive at an empty house. And so they, I had a high or a middle school counselor rather that arranged my schedule. So I had the exact same schedule as my best friend. So we would be able to do homework together. The local uh, community rec center, they bent the rules so that I could have like a, like a, 
um, a pass so that I could go there and spend time there after school. And I did so almost every day for like three full years. And so my, my upbringing was, um, like was such that I really felt the, the support and the love of the, the community around us, especially during what turned out to be some of like the darkest moments and darkest chapters in my life. Wow. Wow. And so like going through that experience, you know, I, obviously the, the support of the community, did that sort of sure up just your general faith and belief at the time? I mean, because I can imagine you're, you're questioning all sorts of things and in the eternities with, with that type of experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think, I think first and foremost, it was like a, it was a, a like a paragon of Christ-like service in action. And I saw people of maybe modest means themselves, like showing up and helping out our family, um, watching my brother while my dad, so my dad could go to work. But at the same time, um, it was, it was an opportunity for me to ask questions and, and, and seek answers. And I continue to ask questions and seek answers even, even today, but it was, um, I found a lot of comfort in, the 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 principle that that goodbyes are not forever that families mm-hmm. uh, can be reunited and like that was very you know personal and and raw for for me and my family and and still rings true for me today yeah and uh, how how many kids are in your family uh so I have an older sister and a younger brother gotcha okay and then uh, growing up what what did your dad do for work. Uh, good, good question. He he actually worked up to four jobs at once. Um, wow. He he's a he's a very very hard worker. Um, the type of uh, relationship where he you know like if you wanted to spend time with him, you had like a shovel in your hand kind of uh, <laughs> yeah. kind of type of approach. And he so his main job is he worked. Um, effectively doing construction, um, with an environmental engineering company. Um, Mm. like I mentioned before, he did not go to college. Uh, uh, so he wasn't like a full engineer, but he was like, he basically is an engineer that learned on the job. Um, and then he also, he always has dabbled in owning his own business. So, um, at different times he had like a vending machine business that I would help him like stock the vending machines. He had a sprinkler repair business. Um, he does some woodworking. So lots of, uh, like a Jack of all trades, so to speak, wow. and very, and very entrepreneurial. Yeah. He knew how to hustle. It sounds like. No, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> wow. And did your mom work before she passed away? Uh, she did. She did. She, she worked the, the night shift, um, at a call center. Um, and that was how they were able to like, kind of make it work with like minimal, uh, childcare, uh, support needed. So growing up in, in your home, you know, you, you framed as, you know, your parents have very blue collar type of, of jobs. Was that an impact early on? I mean, what were you thinking? Like, this is, I want to definitely go down a route where, you know, I, I, I avoid these types of jobs or how did that impact your development early on? Or maybe you weren't even thinking about those things. Yeah. I think it actually showed me, um, the value of, of creating things and building things yourself and, and sort of having Mm -hmm. control, um, over outcomes. And so, um, I actually 
I, I think I, it, today it has led to like a, an appreciation, um, for people, you know, working in honest work and, and providing for their families. Um, and it resonates deeply with me and I can, I can tell you a little bit more about that, but like basically, mm-hmm. um, it, when I was 14 years old, like, you know, kind of modeling after my dad, I was like, Hey, like I, I know that I need to, you know, pay for my mission and I know that I need to uh, pay for my college. I knew that was going to be kind of on me. And so I started a lawn mowing company and then, um, I ended up running that for like another nine years and kept it up, um, while, um, while I was abroad on my mission, we had some other, uh, we had a, uh, uh, a setup so that it, it continued to run while we were on our missions and then oh, wow. continued to do it while I was at BYU as well. Um, so I could focus on my studies um, during the weekday and then I would, I would mow lawns on the weekend. And so I think that blue collar part of me like is very much uh, it, it, it's, it's very much front and center. It, it uh, I don't want to say it follows me around like in a negative way, but it, it's just part of who I am. And so I'll give you one other example, like just prior to going to business school, um, I was, I was working in tech. I was living in the Bay area, but on the side, I was moonlighting as a handyman on nights and weekends. And my experiences growing up were, were, were very um, influential in me being able to have that side gig, that side hustle. Um, and so I think it came both with an appreciation for that hard work. Um, also like, I think it kind of creates a mindset as well. Um, an entrepreneurial mindset. And then it also like helped me think through ways that I can also like shore up my own family, um, so that, you know, we can, we can see that growth and progression, um, over the generations, I guess. Yeah. Now that's interesting how you frame it that you started a lawnmower company. Um, because I mean, even myself as a, as a teenager, me and my buddy, you know, we, we mowed some lawns or whatnot, but it was like, you know, five bucks for this lawn or whatever, but it was just a handful. It wasn't like this organized effort per se. So, I mean, what did you do differently as a teenager in order to really turn it into an, an asset that was, that could, you know, continue on without you? Yeah. I, I mean, like, I think a lot of it was just like, we, so how it, started actually is and it's kind of funny my, my my best friend he also was mowing a couple lawns i was mowing a couple lawns and he um had a piece of equipment that i didn't have and i had a piece of equipment that he didn't have and so at one point we were just like would it be more fun to do this together and we kind of just like sure and so like the most organic <laughs> business partnership of all time kind of started and then we 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 knocked doors and we passed out flyers and we um we tried to do <laughs> good quality work and i think our our most effective channel was just like word of mouth like a neighbor like going out and saying hey you should you should use these guys too and uh, I think that peaked when we had one street where like almost every lawn on the street was, we were, we were mowing, mowing their lawn. So I think it was just simple, uh, good business principles of like communicate, uh, very transparently with your customers, do a really good job. And then they come back. Yeah. And so when it came to a point of like maybe going to school or to going on missions, I mean, what, why not just say, well, that was fun. We're done with that. I mean, what, what encouraged you to keep it going? Honestly, you know, just being candid, like it was, it was, I needed the money to be able to, um, to 
provide for my expenses in, in college. And, um, and also like there were, there were certain examples where, um, I served my mission in France and, um, there was an internship opportunity, um, after my mission that was, it was based in Paris. It was a consulting internship. It was a really interesting, uh, internship based in, like Paris, like I said, but focused on, on sub-Saharan Africa. And I really wanted to do it, but, um, to like make the finances work, um, I had to keep running my business. So I had a couple of employees and I had to like run it from France while I was abroad and make the time zone difference make sense for client calls and other things. And so really to answer your question, Kurt, it was, it was, it was out of necessity, um, to, to be able to fund my expenses and kind of, make the first generation college student thing happen. Wow. Fascinating. And, um, did, so as you sort of got into the business things uh, you know, as, as a teenager, did you feel like you had a knack for it or a passion for it? Is that sort of what led you down the path you're on now? Yeah. I, I, I felt like I've like always been drawn to, um, to business and to entrepreneurship. Um, and, and so, yeah, like, I think that, um, those experience helped me cement that. And it, it was always sort of like, how do I, um, uh, create value, um, in the world? And currently like it's, it's, I've kind of reframed that. And this is part of partially why, um, coming to business school made sense for me was like, I want to be um, you know, a social entrepreneur. I want to like go out into the world, see these, you know, um, problems and I want to use enterprise and business to tackle them. So I think, I think it just gave me like a, a mindset of, um, like you can, you can make hard things work, um, and you can, uh, be a part of that. Yeah. And so going through high school, were you a pretty decent student? I was a very, I was very studious. Um, I, I, nice. I knew that like, if, you know, if I'm going to go to college and, and make this happen, um, I need, I need good grades. And so in high school, um, yeah, very, very studious and tried to kind of, yeah. um, compartmentalize like the week is for school and extracurriculars. And then the weekend, um, like Friday evening and Saturday were, were for the business. Yeah. And, and then, uh, when you started school, did you do any college before your mission? I did or? a semester, um, at BYU okay. and then, yeah. Nice. And then I went on my mission. And, and going through high school is BYU always the plan or did you try to get in other schools? Yeah. So I, um, it was, it was the plan. And I, I had an older sister that was at BYU. I had visited her, visited her a couple of times and I, I thought it was you know, awesome. I knew that a good business school. Um, and so like, it was definitely on my radar, um, at the same, in the same vein, I, I also had done a program in high school called Sterling Scholar. And, um, based on like the results of how that competition went, then I had like a Utah based, uh, scholarship for a year. And that was actually really important for me to have that bridge into college. Um, and so that all, factored in nice i'm a fellow sterling scholar myself oh so. wow great to meet you <laughs> in the wild and <laughs> the funny thing is this is a side story i was a sterling scholar by default i was the only one that applied for the 
the visual arts one in my school. And so I got it. (laughs) So anyways, the competition wasn't uh, deep, but anyways, it's on my resume. Okay. I'm going to hold on to that one until my grade. So (laughs) that's right. Um, so it sounds like starting at BYU, you knew you were going in the business direction. Yeah, I did. I didn't, I, I did not have clarity on like what domain within business. Um, but I, I, I knew that business was for me. Cool. Nice. And uh, what in, impact or influence did your mission have on your, on your education and career path? Um, very, like very significant here. Let me, let me reframe it. It had a very significant impact. Um, I, um, my two years, um, in, in France were, um, I think really helpful for me in terms of like understanding myself, how I feel that I fit in the world, um, understanding my like leadership style and like what felt authentic and, and, um, um, and yeah, like real to me as, as a leader. Um, and I think that, um, like I mentioned before, like my, my mission, um, and then coming home, I was a language teacher at the, a French language teacher at the MTC for about a year. And then I quit that to go and do this internship in Paris. Um, so I was able to, you know, because I spoke French, I was able to, um, have that opportunity. And then once I, um, once I had made the jump and I actually worked at visa for five years, then I actually had an assignment, like a leadership role, um, uh, with visa as well. So an, uh, an international assignment in France, uh, for a mm-hmm. while as well. So from a professional perspective, I think, um, my mission was very, very, um, influential in, in where I ended up. Nice. And so did your BYU experience, uh, produce a marriage for you as well? <laughs> the typical story? Um, it did, it did. And, uh, so my, my wife was in BYU's nursing school. Um, and then I was of course in the business school and, um, we actually were in the same ward and I was, I was very much like, I'm not going to date someone in my ward, but, turns out that that was the right move. And, um, yeah. so typical Provo story, uh, we met, we met in one nice. council. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So romantic. Oh, That's awesome. <laughs> and then you guys have kids now? Yeah, we have two kids, uh, two boys, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Nice. So you come back from your mission, get back into business school, marry, uh, and then was the plan always at some point you're going to do the MBA, uh, path. Honestly, no. Uh, I, I, oh, okay. I it was always on like kind of on my radar, um, but I I always was on the fence. I was like, I don't I don't like I don't know like if it makes sense for me. It's really expensive. Um, really weighed that heavily given my background, and so I was like, is the cost worth the upside? And then I think that where it it clicked for me is. I saw the the value of using the the MBA experience, of course, to round off like you know a bunch of useful skills in business, but also to give me the time and the space to incubate. So I'm I'm working on a company right now in the social impact space, mm-hmm. and uh, that was uh, really my thesis for coming in and getting an MBA was like have this experience myself and have the time, but also like have, um, 
the the resources and the community around starting starting a company. Yeah. And then how much time took place between graduating from BYU and when you started the application process for MBA school? Yeah. So when I started at Stanford, I had a little over five years of experience. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I was at Visa that whole time. So I oh, cool. suppose uh, it was around four years um, bef- um, when I applied for business school. Nice. And I mean, with hindsight, is that uh, you wish you started sooner or did that just seem about right? In, in my case, um, I think I think it was right. Um, and I, I felt like yeah. I was able to work on enough things, with work with enough people, work with enough like leadership styles to sort of start to, again, like piece together like my own viewpoints on, on things. And now I think in the classroom, I'm able to share some of those viewpoints because I have... Um, had that experience of, of uh, you know, working. Yeah. And then was it uh, always Stanford or nothing? Or what did you, did, what, what stories come to mind as far as the application process? What schools you looked at? What, what were you considering with, for this next step in your education? Yeah, so uh, it was interesting. Um, I, my wife and I had just had our second son. Um, and so... Um, I applied in the second round of applications uh, for for um, business school, and I actually only applied to Stanford and Harvard um, because the kind of uh, dirty little secret that people don't tell you is that sometimes you have to apply more than once to get in um, to some of these mm-hmm. schools, and so I had no bandwidth because we just had a baby and. Um, I was like, I'm just going to, you know, throw my hat in the ring and um, give it a go. And so I just did those two. And my application writing time was 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. was the time that I that I had allotted to to write my applications and, and get those in in, in time wow. for the deadline. And just because I was helping with family stuff and um, I think I was on paternity leave at times. So at least I didn't have the work pressure at the same time. But that's 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 why um, it's not really an advisable strategy. Um, and I feel <laughs> I feel fortunate that it did work out for me. But I know that there's a lot of a lot of chance yeah. involved. Yeah. You know, the more I record these interviews, the more I realize most stories are not advisable. You know, they're just sort of, you just get it done and it's, you know, it's not perfect. And you probably would wish you had 26, 27 hours in a day, but that's not always reality and just get it done and do your best and, you know, lean in with faith. Nice. And, um, and so did you get in on the first try to Stanford then? Um, I, I was fortunate that I did. Nice. Nice. And then um, that led to you quitting your job at Visa, I assume, and then moving uh, to California. And, and now you're you're about done with that journey. Uh, any Anything you would say just in that transition back to school or, you know, having a young family being involved there? What comes to mind? Yeah. So, so actually, uh, we, we were in California. So Visa is actually headquartered oh, okay. in California. So it was oh, actually okay. like a move, gotcha. like a 20 minute move for us. Um, oh, okay, great. Uh, yeah. So I think just in that transition period, um, yeah, I think that like what we tried to do is use that. We knew that business school was like pretty much, I think no matter where you go, like it's a very busy time, like heavy academic load, heavy social load. Um, and 
you know, there, there's a, you know, a vast majority of the, the uh, population of students that does not have a family. And so you've got this added variable that's like very important. And so in the transition period, um, like the, basically the summer before I started at Stanford, um, we traveled, we had like three, four months as a family to, to travel, spend time with family in Utah, spend time as just like a family for, um, my wife and my two kids and, um, make sure that we maximized on all, all the quality time and we're, uh, uh, and it was, it was a great experience for us. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and now, uh, as you're sort of coming to a close with your experience there with, with Stanford, like what any like best practices come to mind, whether it's like studying or how to show up in an MBA school of what, what principles come to mind that may be helpful for somebody else who's, you know, a few years behind? Yeah, I think I think you like going into business school, like I think the application process is set up in a way that you like reflect a lot on like, what do you want to get out of it? And I think one of the mm. reasons why is because there's so many different things that you can spend your time doing um, that if you're not careful, then you'll kind of come out of the experience with like your time was full, but you didn't get what you wanted. And so I think... Um, that's my first thing is like use the application process as a reflective tool and then build in some kind of uh, system accountability with your spouse or something so that you're, you're reviewing like, Hey, these are, these are the most important things for me. It was like entrepreneurship, social impact, FinTech, uh, which is the space like financial technology, um, which was the space that, um, or is the space that I'm, that I'm building in. And so I think, um, and then like setting aside like that family time as well. So like five, five thirty PM to like 8 PM at bedtime, like that's, that's protected for family every day. Um, and occasionally I, I, I have to say no to, uh, things. Um, and, and that's okay too. And, and it's because mm-hmm. I'm delivering on the things that I had said were most important to me. And I need to continue to make them the most important thing in, in terms of how I spend my time. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Right. Really helpful. And then you, you mentioned your, are you, did you say you're working on a company currently as you go to school? That's right. Is, is that a, a recommended strategy or <laughs> does it fit in well with maybe some of your assignments or, or, or classes or, or how does that, what, what's that like? I think your mileage can vary depending on your situation. For me, like it was very core to what I wanted to do. Um, I don't necessarily know if it's advisable, but I think that um, like there are a bunch of classes um, and I can only speak to Stanford, of course, but there's a lot, there's a lot of entrepreneurial focused courses where I've been able to focus in that class on my, my, my company. Um, They have like summer programs. So like, instead of going and doing like an MBA you know, the traditional MBA experience, you can, I did a, a social entrepreneurship fellowship where Stanford effectively funded me, um, replaced the lost income from not doing uh, an internship and I was able to work on my company. And so oh, cool. there, there, there are definitely ways to integrate. Nice. So what's the company about it? I mean, it's, how does it work and what, what tell us about it? 
Um, so I can, I can, I can speak broadly. We're still pre-launch, but we are, we are focused on, um, what I call the financial costs of poverty. So we're thinking about like the lowest income segment, blue collar workers, gig workers, uh, low wage earners, like people like my family. And so we're focused on building financial products that actually work for them and doing so in a, in a responsible way. So like everything from the way that we've structured the company, um, we have structured as like a public benefit corporation. So we are able to both, uh, maximize, like we're still for profit, but we have our, our purpose that we can occasionally as needed, um, you know, make profit trade-offs in favor of our user. And, and so that's, uh, really what we uh, are focused on at a high level is, is making financial products that work for this, this customer. And is that the plan for after you graduate to just go all in on, on that and make it into something more and more? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So laying, laying the groundwork, um, have, uh, you know, a team in place now and we're just quietly um, plugging away and, and kind of laying that groundwork. Nice. And I assume some of your fellow students there and, the MBA school are, are helping with that. Yeah, so one one classmate um, has has joined, um, and then we have a technical um, co-founder as well. Who um, he is not Stanford affiliated, but um, he is in the Bay Area. Stanford's nice. Bay Area. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, you were so kind to send me some some principles and, and thoughts in advance here, as far as what's influenced you and helped you, and, and maybe we've touched on some of these. Um, which one here should we start with that uh, that maybe we haven't already touched on? I think um, just just like a couple like very quick things around like not self selecting yourself out when applying for business school. Um, oh, cool! I think um, as I mentioned, uh, I don't like I, I spoke to a lot of people and like um, I think you sort of get this like Hollywood version of business school sometimes where you know like you attend these sessions with the school and they talk about Olympians and professional athletes, people who get like awards from the queen and like all that stuff. Um, and that's exciting. And those people are cool and like they're, they're really awesome people. Um, but it isn't like required to apply. And I, I don't think it was the case for me. Um, and so I think that's the only thing that I would add to what we've already talked about is like no regrets, shoot your shot. Um, don't like be afraid of like, um, applying at many of these top schools. Um, there's many people like you that are at those schools. Yeah. Um, anything else to add to this concept of your background and story can be your superpower. I think you've touched on that a little bit, but anything we, we haven't hit yet. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that like, um, it's, it's just how you differentiate, right. It's like telling, telling yeah. your story in, uh, in a compelling way, like as, um, as someone who, you know, came from overrepresented everything where I was a male, um, um, coming from financial services like that, that's, you know, you can feel like that puts you in a bucket. I will say here, um, what can really help is, is, uh, services like Leland. Um, so a, a classmate uh, from the year before me, he started a company around the principle of 
of helping people, you know, reach their reach their next step and having access to the expertise that they need to do that, including applying for grad school when it makes sense, or maybe it's like going and uh, getting into consulting or investment banking or product management. Um, like I think that's when though those uh, types of service really really can help you um, is tell that compelling story so that you can you can um, differentiate yourself, of course, but also just like show them that like you're like for me, at least like my experience growing up, how that shaped me and how that fit exactly with what I'm, what I'm doing now in terms of post MBA yeah. goal. I appreciate the framing of that. You know, I, I've, as I've talked to other um, current and former MBA students, you sort of walk into MBA school feeling like this imposter syndrome, right? Like everybody else here is just supposed to be here, but me somehow I snuck in or they didn't look at my application close enough or, or whatever it be. And then there's this feeling like everybody has resources. Everybody has those superpowers that I don't have. And I don't know if I have what it takes or whatnot, but to just own your story and who you are and what you've experienced and walking in there with confidence, knowing that you're going to bring something different and you're going to have an advantage that maybe someone else doesn't have and away you go. (laughs) Really helpful. Um, We talked a bit about your family and and being in school and whatnot and how you sort of block out, you know, have those, uh, those hard boundaries of what family time is and when you can focus on school and other things, but any, anything else you would say as far as finding ways to include your family in your MBA experience? Yeah. So two, two quick things. The first being um, our choice to live on campus was one of the best family decisions we probably could have made. Um, Hmm. I think maybe it's a little bit unique in terms of like the weather that Stanford has, but we, we, um, all the families live in courtyards and it's basically like this big shared backyard. And so you have grad students, PhD students with their families. They're from all kinds of different places around the world. Um, I've spoken more French in like the last like year at Stanford than I have in like several preceding years. And um, I think like that for, especially for my four-year-old, he is like living in Disneyland. He like plays with his friends all day long (laughs) and he's able to, you know, come to our house, play with our toys, eat our food, then go to his friend's house and do the same. And that's been really, really helpful for him, um, especially after sort of being everything being on ice during COVID and things being strict. And so that's been really good for him. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that that's that's mainly what I would what I would add on that point. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. Love that. And maybe just talk to what's it like? What you know? You talk about the the place you live and the community there. What about? What's the Latter-day Saint community like uh, going to church or I assume some live in that, uh, that close by to you and whatnot, but what's it like being a Latter-day Saint student while going to Stanford? That, that's a great question. I think that um, there is a thriving LDS community um, at, at Stanford across, you know, uh, you know, the business school, of course. Um, I think there's, 12 or so of us um, in, that are both in their first and second year um, at Stanford in the business school. But there's people in the law school, there's people in the engineering school, there's people in the med school. There's um, So I think that um, I have loved getting to know the, the LDS business students and they're like some of my best friends and just stellar people. But at the same time, it's, it's, 
it's easy to default into like socializing with them, I think. And so I think it's been very mm. enriching to also like include and, and be a part of um, meeting and, and developing friendships with people in the other schools. So we have friends that are from like Australia and New Zealand from the law school, friends from the engineering mm. school, uh, our next door neighbor um, and, and uh, their family, they were members of the church. Um, and he was a, you know, microbiology PhD making like very significant scientific discoveries. And so it just was like a very, um, it, it's been a very great place to be, to just meet all of these other people who are so kind and welcoming and really just um, kind of luminaries in their field. Yeah. And, and so I get the impression that just being in on-campus housing facilitates some of that connection. Anything else that you do to, to sort of reach outside the, the natural Latter-day Saint circles? Yeah, I think I think we have a student association on campus, so the LDSSA. Um, and, and so okay. even like, I think, um, you know, there's not many undergrads that live in the family housing. So even bridging like the grad and undergrad um, are often in the YSA ward where, you know, the rest of the families are in, you know, this, this other family ward. And so I think that also has been helpful in um, working with them, going to events with them. Um, mm -hmm. And so like, I'd say also just like using the, the, the clubs on campus to, to get to know the other LDS members has been great. Nice. Awesome. And then um, uh, you mentioned here about just the most precious resource is, is your time and, and using your time and in, in an effective way. What what perspective could you give us and, and maybe other students or potential students about uh, using your time appropriately? Well, I, I just think um, of like what will I give the best years of my life to? And in many ways, uh, you know, with my experience losing my mom when she was only 39 years old, I just have this, this really um, strong sense that, that, you know, we don't necessarily know how much, you know, life we're going to get and time um, is really important. And so I think specifically for me, like some of my most enlightening and like spiritually memorable moments of the last decade have been like, uh, reflecting on this in particular and also like taking that a step further and thinking about how do I like fit into the broader world and, and making an impact. And like, there's the the talk by elder Holland um, when he talks about, are we not all beggars and mm. talking about the role of, of poverty um, and uh, in basically um, harming people on their spiritual progression. And like that gives that personally for me, that gives me energy and, and gets, gets me excited. And so I guess like there's many, many different problems in the world. And I think what I, what I'm kind of saying here is your time is really your, your biggest resource. So honing in on what that thing is for you, what you feel like your, your mission is, what your calling is in life. And then, going and doing it and doing whatever, whatever it takes to make that happen. Um, of course, ethically, and of course, like not sacrificing your family in, in the, in the process, but like, I think it could include like moving to a different state. I think it could 
include moving to a new country or starting a business or changing careers entirely. But I think like that's that's really um, what I am trying to do is 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 follow that uh, framework of like what what is the highest and best use of my time, given that it is finite and that time is really the the only currency that we kind of have. And then going and filling um, my my life with with what I feel is the most impactful for me, for others, and for my family. Yeah, and and what does that look like on a day to day, week to week level? Like as far as the routines you have, or I mean, how do you make sure that you're you're guarding your time? I think that um, it's it's helpful to have like a source of truth for how you are spending your time. For me, and probably for a good chunk of people, it's my, it's my calendar. And so if it, mm-hmm. if it lives in my calendar, it exists. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And so, um, by having that be like my, um, source of truth, so to speak, then I can put, I, I also put in like, you know, blocks of time for like the family time that I talked about earlier. And that, that helps me. Um, and I base, I just base everything on that. Um, Plus, like, I, uh, this is a little bit old school, so that's like the digital part. But the the the, the analog part <laughs> is, I went on Amazon and I purchased a to a to do list notebook that has just like a bunch of squares and lines next to them, and nice, and, love and it. that's like on the day to day basis. It's like these are the things that I am am going to do today. Um, in a system that I actually developed on my mission, and I still use in terms of like how I put things down, then I go back and prioritize how I, you know, like mark at what stage they're in, in terms of completion. And so that's, that's what I do. Oh, cool. Love it. Yeah. I guess it comes down to systems and not that, you know, math system is the the end all system, but it works for you and just people being intentional about figuring out the systems and that leads to success and guards their time. Yeah. And, and, and just to add one, one uh, tidbit that I, I believe it was from Atomic Habits, uh, James Clear. I, he, he talks about how, um, I'm paraphrasing, but basically you don't rise to the level of your motivation. You fall to the level of your systems. And so you have to build processes yeah. and systems around the things that matter most to you so that you can ensure that you, you really are going after them. Yeah, so true. So true. Well, Matt, what what have we missed? Any other principle or concept or story that we we skipped over that we need to make sure we insert here? Or do we do we do it all? Um, I think I think we did it all, Kurt. Nice. Wow. Well, and you survived, and you're <laughs> you're better off for it. I hope, and as well as our our audience here. So, um. Well, Matt, I, I wish you well in your the remaining uh, months of your your time in Stanford. We're excited to follow your your path and see you, you change the world through some of these passions and efforts you have. And uh, last question I have for you is just if you were in a room full of you know young professionals, MBA students, aspiring MBA students, what final encouragement would you give them? I would I would just encourage you to. To, to swing big and think big and go after your dreams. Like, I think that, um, that's, that's sort of what life is about. And I think about the, the mission of the church. And, um, I think there's like a broad, um, like set of ways that, that 
individuals in our community can can give back and be lights um, and examples out in in the world. And I think that would be that would be my suggestion. Like think big and and try um, to find other like minded people who will join you and kind of have to be unreasonable sometimes and um, really like push the boundaries of of what like seems like the typical course of things, but that it's, it's exciting and it's worth it. And we need, we need many more um, people to be doing that and working on the biggest problems there are. Thank you for listening to the Latter-day Saint MBA podcast. Check out the show notes for more information about our guests and visit latterdaysaintmba.com to find details about the Latter-day Saint MBA Society.